Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 518. I'll be performing in uh, Salt Lake City, well, West Valley City, Utah, which is essentially, it's, they're like, uh, they're touching. They're touching each other, Kyle. They're touching each other. I think that's illegal in Utah for no, cities to touch. They're, they're touching each other appropriately. Okay. Uh, I will be there May 29th, 30th, and 31st performing at Wise Guys in West Valley City, Utah. So uh, please go get tickets for that. Wise Guys, West Valley City, Utah. Don't know what the... I probably shouldn't know what the website is. But you know what? You have a Google. You know what? You just have your search bar. You know, if you're using Chrome, just type it in. Your, you've given them enough information that yeah. they can't find it. They didn't want to go. Just type it into your universal resource locator bar. Mm. And then uh, it'll come up, and then you can get tickets. But please, come. I, I was there last year. It was incro- It was super, super, super fun. You know who the sponsor is this episode of the podcast? Uh, I don't know. I wish I could see it with these old glasses of mine. Well, you're in luck, Kyle, Ooh. because a new concept in eyewear is about to clear your vision, and but without clearing your wallet. I just made that up. <laughs> I feel like that should be a... That should totally be a thing. That is some quality copy. Thank you very much. Copy. Yeah, it wasn't even copy. It uh, was... Idea, improv school, where it's just improving towards making better ad copy. That's not a bad idea, You'd actually. so much money. And then in the advertising business, that's, that's not a bad idea. But we're here to talk about Warby Parker, which is a really great, easy way to get prescription glasses starting at $95, which includes lenses. All right? So the way that it works is you go to warbyparker.com slash Nerdist. All right. You choose five free home try-on frames. Okay, five or set. That's right. Now you pick the frame you want. You send them back. uh, You choose your favorite pair. Like I said, um, and then Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free, free free shipping, and then they'll send them back to you. And then you have your glasses right there. So you actually get to. It's tough to buy online because you don't know how it's going to look in person. So they make that super easy. And glasses should not cost as much as an iPhone, Kyle. I agree. So ninety nine bucks, then, ninety ninety five bucks is a great way. Their titanium collection starts at one hundred and forty five, but then that's really about the most you're going to pay. All glasses include anti reflective and anti glare coating, and there's no additional costs. So go to warbyparker.com/nerdist, choose your five free home try on frames, pick one. Then when you select the glasses that you want, they will give you three day free shipping with the glasses that you've purchased. Free shipping for the chosen one. That's right. So, warbyparker.com. Thanks for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Jennifer Morrison. What? Listen. I mean, you know, Once Upon a Time, super fun show. I was a big house fan. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan of a lot of things Jennifer Morrison has done. 
And uh, what a fun guest. She came to play. She did. I liked her. She was a good time. I enjoyed having her on. And then she popped on at midnight as well. Ooh. Uh, Jennifer Morrison, Once Upon a Time season finale is this Sunday, May 11th. So follow her. I believe she's Jen Morrison Live on uh, on Twitter. Mm. Um, and uh, and your life will be enriched with goodness Agreed. as such. Agreed. You... It was an absolute pleasure. And then there's podcast number 518 with Jennifer Morrison. Now entering Nerdist.com. Again, the podcast. I'm gonna go into airplane mode. Do you want the comfy chair? You don't have to have the no, crappy. She offered it to me, and I felt like it was just—it was a lot of pressure. Is it a lot of pressure? It just felt like a little, yeah. Like, I've called you all here for a reason. Yeah, I felt like it was like you should be in the comfy. Sales are down, Jennifer. Please tell us what's going on in marketing. <laughs> I feel like if we marketed better. <laughs> Okay, guys, let her, let her finish. <laughs> okay, okay. The, Market, the marketing department. Yeah. No one's ever thought of that. See? You're fired. Wait a minute. I no, just repeated what she said. No, no, no. She said it better than you did. <laughs> Today I've lost my job and my voice. Well, good. <laughs> your, your voice is fired. <laughs> get out. You pack your voice and get out. Fired. <laughs> Uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Have you done a podcast before? Is this your uh, first podcast? I'm not not as special as this one. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Um, they're all special, Jennifer. There's this is extra special. It, I mean, no one else has ever given me a green tea Kit Kat. A green tea Kit Kat. Yeah, here you can take that one for later. Too. Okay, they're so they're so good. <laughs> if you go to Japantown, like just downtown, if you go to Japantown, the stores have them. You can buy. I'm bags gonna have to go find Japan Town. I didn't know we had a Japan well, it's, it's Town. Little Tokyo, in Los Angeles, Tokyo. It's Little Tokyo. Oh, sorry, I was thinking San Francisco. San Francisco, Japan, Japan Town. Yeah, Little yeah. Tokyo okay. in Los Angeles. It's just downtown. All it's right. just like uh, if you're, it's to the east of downtown. Okay, the east. Oh, that's that's very east because downtown is east. So we're Depends, east. Actually, east. downtown is pretty central. How dare you really correct the guests? You're fired. Wait, you're wait, fired wait, again. It's I'll central to what? It's not central to my life. <laughs> it's central to Los Angeles, the entire city. It doesn't feel like right. LA has a center. The, the, it, Los Angeles feels like the universe where you go, it's this ever-expanding mass that must have a center somewhere. Yeah, but, but how yeah. is that? What's east of that that makes downtown center? Uh, Boyle Heights. Um, uh, just a ton of communities. Uh, okay. San Marino. You're listening um, to Geography Talk. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. Los Angeles. Uh, just because you Sorry, don't go there Michael. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's I just love true. the idea that Boyle Heights. Like no one has said the term Boyle Heights. I don't think I've ever this heard podcast before. That's true. Boyle Heights. Do you live in Boyle Heights? No, no, no. Oh. But it's it's I, I I've gone there a it's bunch. It's really nice. It's really cool. Little yeah. Tokyo is amazing. It's basically just this uh, small Japanese community yeah. downtown. With a ton of amazing restaurants and shops and yeah. cool. and food and candy and the best time to go is uh, New Year's Day. They have a real it's like an entire uh, town wide festival. Wow! And there's um, just like tons of like performances going on and music on the streets and uh, a ton amazing. of food vendors everywhere. It's great. It's like it's kind of my New Year's tradition. You sound like Kim Carnes. You sing there, <laughs> Benny Davis. Sorry. Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Is this not how your voice normally sounds? No, 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 no. I, I usually sound a lot dorkier than this cool sounding voice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've a got husky, a nice, sexy, sexy voice. Yeah, husky voice going on today. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm fulfilling my dream of smoking cigarettes. What did you? Did you smoke cigarettes? <laughs> no, God, no. I'm not an idiot. Uh, uh, what? Uh, no, I. Um, my my wife is foster. We're fostering a cat that I'm allergic to. We're fostering a dog. Oh, yeah. you're, I'm not allergic to it though. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. It's like we got it with the intent of having. 
having it, and then yeah. it just we because we already have a cat, but this cat is not going well with my allergies. Interesting. So your other cat doesn't make you allergic? No, it's it's been real spotty. I mean, I even once uh, my childhood cat, I got allergic too. Like we got it, and I was fine, and like a few years later, I start if I touched it, I would start. So you're just a pain out. in the ass. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid of commitment. <laughs> my body's ever changing. Why do you hate animals so? Much? I don't hate. Do you think your wife's gonna be? Do you think your wife's gonna be like? When are you gonna get allergic to me? She did make that joke. Uh, uh, yeah. And you were like 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, you're fostering a dog. Mm-hmm. What kind of dog? She's like a little terrier mix. Her oh. name is Karen. Well, actually, <laughs> yes. I know. Well, we had to. We ended up giving it and keeping Karen. But um, Karen Terrier. Yes, but uh, there was Will and Karen. We've placed Will. Uh, my roommate really is responsible for this. She loves. She loves fostering dogs, and so we've done this several times. But this one, everybody fell in love with. So this one's staying. That's adorable, yeah. and I also love the fact that. Uh, I mean, listen, Jennifer. You're a very successful television person. You have a roommate. You could live in a you could live in a storybook mansion if you wanted to. It's yeah. I mean, I I'm very lucky. I have a very nice house, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, it's nice to have friends there. I, I work in Vancouver, so. Speaking of house, um, Cameron and Chase. What yes. happened? <laughs> I don't know. God, okay. that was so right. long ago. Um, no, you don't have to. It's fine. Okay. You don't have to. You don't I, have could, to. I could really try to come up with something for you. <laughs> <laughs> How often do people on the street confuse you with the characters that you've played in television and film? Um, and force you to answer questions like that? Uh, it's not so much that they confuse me as that I feel like I do get treated like I am the character. So mm-hmm. like when I was playing Cameron, people treated me like I was a doctor. They'd be very cautious with me. They'd be like... Hey, I really, and they kind of always have their hands out a little bit. And you're like, I really like you on the show. I don't want to bother you, but they just so, uh, you know, there's so much cool medicine, and I get really into it. I'm like, oh yeah, no, thank you. And then now that I'm doing Once Upon a Time, everyone thinks I like grew up on the streets and had this rough life, and 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 you know, I'm trying to deal with this new adjustment to realizing this that I'm a fairy tale character and all these things. So everybody wants to hug me. So now it's a whole oh, different geez. thing where it's like I kind of get the smack on the back and then the hug. It's mm-hmm. like Emma. You know, like, and then, and so it's like a t- I get handled differently. When they do that, you should go. How dare you? I'm a doctor. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. I was like, wow, people were much ca- more careful with me when I was a doctor on TV. You know, um, but it's, yeah, it's funny. It, it, we go into people's living rooms once a week, so it affects people's mindsets about you. You know, it does. But it is. I mean, as as savvy as people are about television, and I feel like they're savvier now than in the history of television because there's so much. Yeah, there's like the Hulu and all that stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's like, but. Uh, but there is still – it's so hard to separate because you're so used to – I get it. I do the same thing. I mean – and I end up at events where I'm looking at someone going, have I met you? <laughs> or do I just know the show? Or do I know the show and I met you? Or, you know, it's just – you get in these situations where I feel the same – I have my favorite shows too. So I, you know, I think Tatiana from Black Orphan is like my bud, but we've never yeah. met. Well, and the um, – Black yeah. Orphan is a completely different show from Orphan Black. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's sorry. Did I just Black, say Black, Black Orphan? Black like a real sad documentary. Sorry, but Orphan Black. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Uh, Orphan Black. Orphan Black. Yeah. Jeez. Sorry. But the, but the – uh, I do the same thing with friends that are on shows. I have actually accidentally called them by their character's name. Oh, like, really? Really good friends where that should not – that should not be a mistake that should happen. Yeah, I was just working on a film set where there was a Cameron and another Jennifer and an Emma. And I was just screwed and I never responded to my character's name. My character's name was Candace. And I just wasn't used to Candace, but I would respond for everyone else. So anytime they said Cand- Cameron, Emma, or Jennifer, I was like, yes? And they were like, no, 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 you're Candace. I was like, right, right, I'm Candace. I'm not any of the other three names. Jennifer Morrison's a weird method actress. She thinks she's all of her characters. Just say one, she'll answer. You're crazy, J Mo. <laughs> I, I do have to say that I that you were also in one of the fucking best 
I, I guess horror movies not really. Maybe sort of a horror movie, but I love Stir of Echoes. That oh, is cool! A fucking great movie. Thanks. Yeah, I you know I really enjoyed doing that, and I'm weirdly about to work with Kevin Bacon again. So, and that's I haven't worked with him since then. So I, I'm kind of excited about that. But um, yeah, it was such a cool little movie, and I had such a good time doing that. And it weirdly came out right around when um, Sixth Sense did. So we kind of got buried under Sixth Sense. But oh man, I know, I know. <sighs> What does M. Night Shyamalan not ruin? (laughs) God damn it. But Stir of Echoes was... Well, Sixth Sense was a good movie. Stir of Echoes was also a really good movie. And uh, (laughs) sorry I played the dead creepy thing in the wall. Yes, 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 yes. But it's one of those... uh, And and it didn't occur... I looked it up recently. When did that movie come out? It was like 99. Yeah, I was in college. And it was crazy because I was going to school while I was shooting that. So they had dyed my hair black. I had gained some weight for it. They bleached my eyebrows. And so I had black, black hair, no eyebrows, and I was working all night and then going to school all day. Oh, so geez. I was that creepy girl. I literally was like the crazy person in college where people were like, who's the weird girl? Like, who's the weird chick in the back of the class that seems to be falling asleep all the time? She's um, a crazy ghost girl. You see her too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's her. As Never the sirens go by. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's, a, I think, that, I, I'm sure, I'm sure people who listen to the podcast have seen it, but if they haven't, they really should because it's, it's such a, it's just a, it's a, it's a simple story, but it's but when you start catching on, it gets yeah. It, it, it and gets I thought really cool. um, Kevin Bacon and Catherine Irby together as a couple were just so great, and I felt like they were a real married couple. And I love an Ileana Douglas in the oh, thing. She's so good. Yeah, yeah she's so awesome. And um, I don't, I don't know. I felt like it was genuinely creepy in the way that you wanted a movie to be genuinely creepy. Yeah, and without a lot of like. Whoa! Yeah, there was really no gore. It really was just the intensity of like, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, nice. So then after that, then so you did you leave school or were you still in school? Did you finish school? I finished school, yeah. My parents are both teachers, and so I just grew up with the mindset of thinking it was important to finish school. And, and uh, so I finished uh, at Loyola in Chicago, and then I studied at Steppenwolf. And then I moved out here. Nice. Yeah. You're, you're from Illinois, Chicago? Yeah, Chicago, Chicago land area. Nice. Yeah. Were you yeah. a comedy goer in Chicago? A, a little good bit, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Second City is the best. And um, when I was at Steppenwolf, Sheldon Patinkin, who does a lot of the improv stuff for them, he was teaching our improv classes. So it was really fun to be able to watch some of the exercises that would turn into some of the skits that we would see. You yeah. know, so just seeing what those improvs start as, and then seeing how that could evolve into a skit was kind of fun to to participate in. What do you? The difference. So if you're, because I'm not. Uh, I would not call myself an actor, but uh, and nor would anyone else. We all are, though. No, are we all? I mean, we're all performers to a degree. <laughs> They're all just different shades of, of performing. But the uh, but did you major in theater? Did I you did. Study theater? Okay. So you study theater, and then you're in the Sepulveda Theater Company. But then I feel like television and film, and even television and film, are different. But just the mechanisms between theater yeah. and television. What was your learning curve? Uh you know, I think I always felt like it was best to just learn by doing it. I, you, you can only learn so much. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the set of numerous things, but especially once upon a time, like, wow, wow, they really didn't teach you to respond to imaginary uh, <laughs> creatures coming at you while wielding a sword and a gun at the same time and running in heels. Like, that's just not taught <laughs> at theater school, you know? So there's all sorts of weird expectations that get put on you. And also even just time crunch things. You get, you get into situations with the schedule where... 
you're a, we have to break for lunch and the crew is going to have to go into overtime if you don't break at lunch at a certain time. So you get one take of your close up after you just spent the whole, you know, it's just the pressure elements of delivering under pressure and, and stuff like that, that they don't, there's just no way to teach at school. I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I spent a lot of time doing theater from the time I was kind of, I don't know, I guess it was like five, the first community theater play that I did. And, um, that was really the world that I knew. And then you just try stuff and you hope that it works and you kind of pretend like you know what you're doing until you sort of know what you're doing. And I still only sort of know what I'm doing. <laughs> you still feel like that? Uh, yeah. I don't know if that feeling ever goes away. That's good. That's comforting That's good. to know. I think most people like to know that because I, I mean, you know, now after like 15 years of working and you still yeah. sort of feel like. I think this is the right thing. I don't know. I think you just have to be really good at bullshitting. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can say Like in life in like general, you know. You can but say it, bullshit. You can't say fuck. No, oh. you just said it though. What? It sounds sexy the way you said, said what? it though. Say it again. Say what? what we you should said. have him talk more with this voice. It's you want to really talk going well. What do you guys want me to say? Oh, um, that I'm here. Uh, sing that Tom Waits song. As at. See, you could sing the Tom Waits song, and it would be like the last scene of House. Sorry to bring it up again. Oh, yes. It's just one of the musical montages. The musical montage you episodes. You just fire all around us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that episode where you had to tell that lady she was going to die of cancer when oh. she just came in for a cough, and it was the first time you had to tell someone they were going to die? Come on! <laughs> I love you so much. That's amazing. How do you sleep at night after that? <laughs> Gosh, you remember that with more detail than I do. Uh, I don't know. The musical montage. Cameron had a big heart, that's for sure. She definitely always was uh, empathetic toward everyone and fell in love with all of her patients. Not you know romantically, I just mean yeah. wanting them to be better. Um, but yeah, it, uh, Cameron definitely wore her heart on her sleeve that way. I could never... That's a serious medical condition. Well, you should... Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the other thing you didn't see about her character is her heart was on her arm. Literally. Yeah. Explains just, everything. Yeah, she had arm heart. But I, I would never... I, I, it, it's, it, that, to me, sometimes that show is even hard to watch because sometimes I kind of drift into this territory where if I hear about an illness, I'll go... Oh, I think maybe I... Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. There was a lot of hypochondria stuff going on on that set, for sure. Because you, cause that, that wasn't even just like a normal, like a regular hospital. That was like, these are the weird, fringy things that happen to people. And right. Dr. Sherlock's got to solve it. And, you know. Exactly. So it, do, you, are, do, you, do you have that at all? I'm okay. I've never really been that person. Uh, I, I've done pretty well at avoiding thinking that I'm sick when I'm not. Um, I... I don't know. I, I think it, it, if anything, it went the opposite direction for me. Knowing a little bit more about stuff helped me know that something terrible wasn't wrong. Right. You know? So like when I could jump to some really grand leap of logic, I would go, wait a second. And I would kind of break it down into symptoms and be like, all right, so I'm not dying. You know, like I can eliminate that and then sort of work from there. But uh, for me, it definitely helped to know a little bit more, not hurt to know a little bit more. Whereas some of the other people on set, that was definitely not the case. Well, with, and, and with, the, with Once Upon a Time, I'm sure it's not like you go home and go, I think I'm going to be attacked by magical creatures. Like you, oh, at least I think you, that you, all the time. Re, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I am attacked by magical creatures all the time. What? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, it is funny to work on a show like Once Upon a Time with magical creatures um, because you have to keep finding ways to make them seem real. You know, it's like a different kind of challenge when you just go to when you go to work and you're saying something that is real that you would connect with in your own life. There's a certain assurance that you have that you're like, okay. This is where we start. At least yeah. let me have a common ground to start here. When you go to work and it's like, 
okay, so this is when Peter Pan flies in and then the seven dwarfs show up and you're friends with Red Riding Hood, but when Jiminy D. Cricket is actually a cricket, he's saying one thing, but when you, you know, so you're like, wait, hang on, the logic <laughs> is so crazy. And you're trying to figure out how to be invested in these people and make it seem real. And the stakes have to always be life or death. So then you're trying to figure out how to do that without being over the top. It's, yeah. it's a kind of a constant weird juggling yeah, act. That seems incredible, just to have to ground the most silly thing. Well, so you're like, oh, so over here, there's going to be a fairy up here, but to you, it's going to look like a tennis ball on a stick. <laughs> yeah, so. that's what it is. That's when, when there's a fairy. It's usually a tennis ball on a stick. Or sometimes our special effects guy makes these printouts on big sticks. <laughs> there's always a stick involved. This was, this was way worse, actually. We actually just said, just tell us where to look, because we were actually laughing at it. We had this giant ogre that he had printed out on a big stick and was running behind us. <laughs> like, I, I can imagine the ogre so much better than I can look at that and try to not laugh. Is this throwing you off? (laughs) Please. And it was just a picture of Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, nice. Good pull. Yeah, Yeah. that was really good. That was really good pull. Did you watch a lot of... uh, What what, what kind of stuff did you like when you were growing up? Like in movies? Uh, Well, you know, we weirdly were sheltered from a lot of stuff because... um, I don't really know why. My parents just weren't really uh, super into pop culture-y kind of things. Mm -hmm. They were... Like I said, they were both teachers, so we were really lucky to be exposed to classical music and some of the old musicals and things. It was like I was raised in the 50s. It's so bizarre. Like the, the references that I have from my childhood were all things. You going to the sock hop? What? We had sock hops. Oh. <laughs> I went to sock hops um, in my socks so that we didn't ruin the gym floor. That's why they were sock hops. Um, but oh, I didn't know that. Is that true? So the shoes didn't ruin the gym floor. I just thought the 50s were dumb. Like, I didn't know. They were like, you could just wear shoes. To that. No, no they didn't want to repolish the, oh, the gym floor. Makes sense now. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that was pretty much my childhood. I didn't really start to have a sense of real pop culture until college. So it, I had, I was like inundated all of a sudden with pop music and alternative music and and all these movies I'd never seen. I'd never, literally, never seen most of the major classic movies besides, you know, Annie. Sure. Which is a big classic. Yeah, well, of course. Annie Why did the they musical. Want to show that stuff to you. I don't know that they didn't want to. It was, um, you know, there was a certain element of that to a certain age of wanting to protect us from things. And, oh, you can only see G-rated things until we were probably 12 or 13 or something like that. But then after that... And then hard R. Like right, yeah. We just, like we just quick, went right yeah. for it. We went for, like, triple X right after that. Um, I just... It was just not in the house. It wasn't... I don't think it was intentional or it wasn't like I felt like I wasn't allowed to. They would have been fine with it. It just wasn't around. So mm. it wasn't in the culture of our family at that yeah. point. Um, so it was just weird that... I had this very insular kind of upbringing, and then once I got to college, it was just disc- I read a lot of plays and stuff. I think a lot of my points of reference to things were novels and plays, mm-hmm. and literature was my direct connection to feeling like connected to things. I said connect a lot there, but no, that's all right. Uh, you connected all the words with connect. Yeah, thanks. But I, I feel but super I, connected. But I feel like, but I feel like it makes sense that if your parents are teachers. And they have, in that case, they had very little interest in pop culture. It probably just didn't occur to them, like, right. oh, we should show her Caddyshack. No, yeah, yeah it just didn't. It just didn't come up. It wasn't a rule or a regulation. It just didn't come up. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm always catching up in that department. Recently, I've been really on it about watching movies as much as possible and catching up on the classics and going through people's lists of the top 100 and trying to make sure I've seen as many of those as possible and going through some of my favorite directors and watching their movies in order or re-watching some of them in order and watching how they like developed as filmmakers and things like that but um it's in a weird way at first it used to be frustrating and now I feel like I get to continue enjoying discovering those things whereas 
it wasn't like I just knew all about it and then was like, oh, yeah, I saw that. I, I had such a different reaction to 16 Candles or Ferris Bueller's Day Off or movies like that because I watched them in college going, oh, my God, I didn't know these existed, you know? Oh, wow. So uh, I, I always got to discover things at different times, I guess, on my own terms, which was fun. You wouldn't have known what this is, Chris's notebook thing, huh? And, and this, uh, this is a, a Wookiee skin, although... Um, I think actually it's probably Ewok skin disguised to look as Wookiee skin because well, it's illegal. Do you have well, anything written in there? It's way easier. I mean, what do you to keep Ewok in your Wookiee book? Yeah. Nothing yet. I just got it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just, I just, that oh, makes me feel page? better about my imitation of Chewbacca. I'm just saying. <laughs> which is what? Uh, which we're not doing again. No, I feel like we should. <clears throat> no, uh, I, it was a one-time thing. I was doing uh, an interview at Comic Con last year where they forced all of us to do um, Chewbacca impressions. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's a one-time thing. Well, I think you our studio audience it. would want to hear that. Does, does, don't you guys want to hear it? Guys? Do you guys want to, I'm I just mean. saying, I got, they gave me a lot of shit about it, and now, now I feel like it kind of sounds like your notebook, so I feel a little bit better about my impersonation. Yes, this is uh, from the film George Lucas's The Notebook. Uh, <laughs> Rachel McAdams and Chewbacca. <laughs> that is kind of how he felt in it, though. He was always just kind of like... Yeah, exactly, he just wanted yeah, someone yeah. to... I've loved you for so long. Han Solo had no idea what he was saying because the whole time she was just going, "Why don't you love me? I know, I know." Yeah, stop it! Yeah, fix the crazy bag of fur. Get out of here. Understand my words. They hurt when you call me a carpet. (laughs) They just couldn't ever make it. I think. Someone making a video of Chewbacca's unrequited love, I think, would be so brilliant. It's pretty amazing. And at the very end, he just sort of coughs up a hairball, and then he's like, I've loved you this whole time. Like, yeah. He just couldn't talk the whole time. Because- uh, actually, it was uh, Trevor Moore from The Whitest Kids like, did a thing where it's, um, he did subtitles for Chewbacca. He acted like it was a special edition Star Wars thing. Oh, that's awesome. And like, the whole time, he's just like spoiling like the movie for everybody. <laughs> It's just like it's like it's like hey that's uh it looks like a like a moon and he's like no it's not a moon it's a space station and it's like owned by that dude's dad uh, um, but no one understands like him. no one understands what he's saying that's and then and genius. like and when like um you know laying a uh, Luke kiss he's like oh it's like his reaction is perfect because it's like whoa dude that's your sister. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he ever put it online. He just showed it at a show once. Oh, the, he should yeah, put that out. That sounds really funny. Um, what, so what other? What other? So you loved Sixteen Candles. You loved the John Hughes movies. Yeah, those were all good. Um, that would have been a great time to be in. I feel like that would have been a great. Yeah, right. That whole time in film was just so fun. In the seventies, too, you know, things like Annie Hall and all you know that kind of period with film, Scarface, all that stuff too. And Annie. <laughs> and Annie. Annie is what I saw over and over again. Um, I could sing It's a Hard Knock Life. Um, I saw that. For some reason, I remember seeing that movie a lot as a kid. I feel it, like it ran on PBS a lot, maybe. They yeah. did a version of it. There's a new one coming out. There is a new one, but I mean the one that was done like with Albert Finney and Aidan Quinn. Am I pulling that name out of my ass um, correctly? I'm thinking but of the, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's that one. The, but it's it's is it the, the the late 70s one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I think maybe that's Daddy Warbucks. Aileen Who Quinn. doesn't yeah. want a Daddy Warbucks? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. He's he, the, the story of Annie is a little. He he's he's kind of. I know he warms up to her, <laughs> but he's essentially like a robber baron. He loves her yeah. right away. I mean, like, he just doesn't a, know how to express his feelings. Know, he's a, he's a crazy industrialist, probably. <laughs> yeah, we all know how he got his money. War I bucks. Mean, yes. Oh, oh, profiteering. Oh, shit. That never occurred to 
me. Secret, yeah, yeah, yeah. secret oh, wars. I mean, trail of he bodies. Just ruined any. You know, for he me. adopt. He has yeah. one or He adopted one orphan to make up for the thousands of orphans he created. So it was a whole. <laughs> All right, That's forget it. The backstory. We yeah. also watched Gigi a lot. Do you have um, any issues with uh, Gigi? Manservant. He has a manservant. <laughs> I mean, just like on a humanitarian level. <laughs> That, that guy would never be allowed to exist today. Yeah, that was Name bad. some more. Let's keep uh, on rooting. I, I, I want to see where, like, Annie grows up and she becomes, like, a tough as nails. Like, nah, fuck him. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, played by Joan Crawford. You know? <laughs> just, just that But you used, used to be just a poor girl, too. Fuck that. Yeah. I crawled my way out of the mud. Now I'm not. Kill him. Yeah. I walked or, 157th Street. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know if it was that Now you polish that floor <laughs> like it shines like the top of the Chrysler building. Bitch. Stop fucking singing. <laughs> Stop singing. We can just talk about things. Yeah. We don't have to musically express the subtext of our feelings. Oh God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I think. Did you Did you ever do musicals? I did. Yeah. I was. I played Eliza Doolittle in in uh, My Fair Lady, which was probably the most fun I had. And then um, uh, we did The King and I. So oh. I played the teacher in The King and I. Uh, I'm trying to think of other. I didn't do a ton of musicals. I was in show choir, which was another whole experience. What was that? Now, I was not a choir kid, but mm. I, I, I had friends who were choir kids. What was the experience like? There was a lot of singing and then holding hands in like little circles at the end and talking about our experience. I don't know. It was very, mm. I don't know, looking culty? back, it was a little weirdly culty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I avoid gratitude circles to this day <laughs> because of that. <laughs> I, I, she doesn't I, know what's going to happen at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. all got to hold hands. Just hold hands and say what we're grateful talk for. About other things. I, I like the idea in theory. It's just that I've been in enough of them now that I, I feel suspicious of them. <laughs> what's their angle? Yeah. yeah. What did I just join? I yeah. just feel that way about overly nice people. Like it's like I have an adverse reaction where I go, What's what are you yeah. trying to do? What do you, what do you want, want from me? Yes. Yeah. Relax. Well, all I want you to do is just cut the palm of your hand and hold my hand. <laughs> oh, okay, we're good. Just yeah. It. I know. I'm probably just a really bad person for feeling that way, but um no. You know, I mean show choir was fun. It was it was one of those things that uh, as much as I can tease about it, it really was a great experience in high school. It, it's always nice to feel like you're a part of a team. You know, obviously it's not a sports team, but you feel mm. like you're a part of a group of people that are all working toward a common Vocal goal. Vocal sports, you know that you're exercising muscles. Mm. That is very sports. You have exactly. to have athletic vocal cords in order that to is true. sustain that. That actually is true. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then it, you'd have dance rehearsals, and we'd go on, like, trips all together. You know, it was fun. It was definitely really fun. And you get to perform all this fun music. And, um, yeah, it was. I, I, I definitely am glad that that was a part of my teenage years. Yeah, my least favorite part about doing plays in high school was the other people doing plays. That was <laughs> like, that was, I was just like, yeah, I didn't like, I, I, I had like I was just a, such an oddball in a group. You of You were the oddball amongst the oddballs. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just kind of like they would all go hang out afterwards and be like, "I'm good." I'm what was that picture you posted on Instagram the other day? It was a throwback picture. It was like little chubby Jonah sitting out in front of something. Um, was it me? I was like on a little like like horsey thing, like one of those little yeah. kid toys. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, me outside of uh, uh, Daiye Market in Hawaii. And what was that? What was the context of that? Uh, me and my friend got a. I think uh, disposable cameras had just come out, or mm. maybe we just had a. We were we, one of us got a thirty-five millimeter point and shoot, and we just would run around town, just bored, and just so shoot, fun. shoot dumb pictures or put the timer on and like try and just basically what we all do on our phones now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was <laughs> going. I've been, I've been going through a bunch of them, and like it's like it's. Yeah, we were just bored, and we would just take dumb pictures. Like one of them, the one from the throwback from the week before was like we were in a thrift store, and we, I found two different Where's Waldo dolls. 
And like I like took a picture of them where I'm going like, yeah, like holding both of them. And then some guy is like, that's like, it's, it's so funny how much of a dork you are. You're so excited you found those dolls. I was like, no, no, I was still a funny kid. I thought it'd be funny if someone was that excited about finding two Where's Waldos. Right. At the same time. Yeah, yeah. You were exactly. self-aware of the decision. Yeah, yeah. The worst part is when people go, it's so brave that you take the, you post those pictures of you. Like, I go, I go what, do you, what do you mean? They're well, like, I mean, you look like, like you, shit. Like, you're, you're, you're a obnoxious horrible. looking child. Yeah, like, you're, I'm, you're, I'm surprised you would share that with the world. Exactly. I go, but that's so not what I look like anymore. And I go, it's just so brave. It's like. Are like, are you, and I ask people if they live their lives, like trying to hide their childhood. Like, it's like, are you ashamed of the way you looked as a kid? Yeah. What now, if we were to look back at the Jennifer Morrison yearbooks, (laughs) what would we see if we're flipping pages? Uh, Like, let's go eight through 12, eight through 12 uh, grade. What would we see? Oh, eight to 12. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't... Were you a good kid? I was a good kid. I was probably too good of a kid. Mm. I, I, I wish I had sort of made some more trouble at that age. Yeah, me too. But my dad taught at my high school. It was uh, just... There were a lot of complicated factors. You know, my dad was my marching band director. He had a nationally competitive high school marching band for 30 years. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, which is intense. It's like, if you imagine best in show, but not dogs, but marching band. It's that. <laughs> you know, it's like a really intense world where... And there really are amazing things about it. I, I, I can't, you know, I can tease, like I said, sort of about show choir too, but like, you know, there's things you can sort of tease about it, but the reality is like, it was really formative in my life and I don't regret it at all, but it's cool. Um, I saw drum line. It's really rad. <laughs> it's different than that, but, um, but yeah, it, so, uh, yeah, my dad was my marching band director. My parents were always around at school. I, I don't know. I was, I was a really, I was really worried about missing out on anything. I really wanted to do everything. So I kind of overdid everything everything um and so then i was just like a busy kid and I, I i definitely chilled out more in college i like college was when i was like all right i'm focused on doing theater and i can just chill and have fun is it hard to date in high school when your parents are around all the time are people afraid of you because your parents are <laughs> teachers it wasn't helpful <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But not to any fault of theirs. I was kind of a late bloomer in that department. I I didn't really understand any of it. I actually remember, I don't even know if I've ever told this story uh, publicly, but um, I remember being a freshman and having to work really hard to be able to go over to this guy's house. Uh, uh, I think his name was Frank Stark. And so we, yeah, Frank Stark. So, and I had such a crush on him. I thought he was so cute. He was so handsome, whatever. And I really wanted to go over and he invited me over and I was all excited, but I had pep band. So then I had to get out of, figure out how I was going to get from pep band to Frank Stark's house. And it was like this whole, you know, there was this whole like thing of negotiating with my parents and were were his parents going to be home and weren't they going to be home? This whole thing. So I, I do finally somehow negotiate my way to Frank Stark's house. I'm so excited to be there. And he had it in his house. It was like set up that downstairs, there was like his bedroom was in the downstairs basement area and then there was also like a hangout room so it was like in the hangout room and these two other people were like making out in his room I was like oh wow this is so crazy <laughs> and, uh, and I mean this was way above my head at, at 14 I was like wow and so then they the, that, those people came out and he's like hey I want to show you my fish tank and oh, I was boy. like I just believed him. I was like, never oh, go yeah, yeah. look at the and fish I tank. I went in and I looked at the fish tank and we talked about the fish and we like, and we were in there for a while and I didn't, it never occurred to me that this guy was trying to figure out a way to kiss me. Had no, never occurred to me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It wasn't until years later I was telling the story and I went, Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> oh God. You blew it. I totally blew it. With Frank Stark. I did. I really liked him. So, 
He probably doesn't even know that. Um, I don't even know where he is or what he's doing anymore. But um, years, years later, when you or, or whenever you did actually make out with a guy, and then you're like, well, "Where's your fish tank?" Like you just like, <laughs> like that's part of the thing is you got to see the fish tank first. It just never occurred to me. I just thought, wow, he really likes fish. So was uh, it? I don't understand. So were you supposed to make the move? Because it sounds like he didn't. He it sounds like he didn't make the move. Listen, well, he tried. I, he got he, her in the room. Yeah, I think it's that thing of like if I had maybe gotten closer to him and gave him a chance i just i had no i was so in over my head i yeah. really was completely yeah. totally clueless i didn't end up making out with anyone until i was 17 so you're like you're supposed so, to go those are some really sweet guppies mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you start making out with the fish tank right. and then... do you see the do you see what the fish are doing do you see what the oh, fish are right. doing yes uh yes i should have learned here, i'm just gonna put some fish food in here and then you just mm. sort of like if anything grips you sure. tragic you think a guy with a cool name like frank stark would have more game right <laughs> <laughs> he he was very cool he really yeah. was how can you not be with that yeah. name he was very cool sweet fish t- he had a fish tank in his room that's pretty freaking cool that right there pretty- yeah, yeah and right. his bedroom is in the basement next yeah. to like a cool hangout area. That's really cool. It was pretty cool. Do you, can you remember the first time you made out with someone? I was trying to remember the first time I made out with someone, and I think it was just so long ago that I like I have traces of it, but I just I, don't I, know if I, I actually... do remember my first kiss. Yeah, but it was weirdly sort of stolen. But I think it needed to be clearly because I was <laughs> totally someone just kicked yeah. the fish tank. No. Over. I'm like, come here. <laughs> sure, what was going on? Uh, some guy from student council this is making me sound so cool uh <laughs> some guy from student council don't remember his name uh All right. he was from you know like uh, uh from the state student council oh. you know not not from school from from the state student council and uh he came over to watch a movie and then when he was leaving he just kind of kissed me and i was like oh weird that's what that is okay and then that happened and then what, do you remember what movie you watched? I have no idea. Annie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably. Probably. Hey, do you want to come over and watch Annie? Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, the sexiest movie of all. It's this musical about an orphan. Well, yeah. When I when I was when I was growing up, it was um, the 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 key word was Hey, do you want to come over and watch a movie? Meant. Let's yeah. make out on yeah. the couch. Yeah. Well, I figured that out by my senior year. Like okay. I or well, junior year, I guess. I kind of had a boyfriend my junior year, but. Um, yeah, I, I I caught up a little bit. I think it'd be a fun way to continue into our adult dating lives of just asking people if they want to come watch a movie or look at a fish tank and just see. Because I feel like the right person would totally get it. Yeah. And then that's the person that you yeah. actually want to date. Yeah. You know? Not someone to be like, why the fuck would I look at a fish tank? <laughs> right? well. I think that's true. You know, when you know those references in someone's life or you have a personal little inside joke with someone, that's always the best. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like. You have your own little world with them, your little things you can reference and feel special together. Are you are you pretty internet-y at all? Do you like to... I You know, I'm, I... Depends on the day. I, I, I do well with it for a little bit, and then I... And then I panic and I leave for a while and then I come back and I like publicly. Do, do you set up like a Twitter account and then go? I don't want to do this no, 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 no. I don't ever do that. I mean, I always have the Twitter account. I just when I'm working, I'm better about it because there's sort of consistently more things to post because I'm pretty careful about being private about my private life. Sure. So I don't put a lot of personal photos up and things like that. But um, so when I'm doing, you know, when we're in the midst of filming Once Upon a Time, there'll be fun behind the scenes photos or something that'll happen that feels like, oh, this will be fun to share with the fans and then it'll be a nice thing. And then um, we'll do uh, like Ask Jen at certain milestones of Twitter followers and then I'll do like, 
live tweeting during the shows on the weekends sometimes it just depends on my schedule if I'm traveling or if I'm not traveling or if I'm around or whatever um I've just been kind of bad about it since we wrapped we wrapped three weeks ago and for this season and I just think I get so inundated with it while I'm doing it for nine months and then I sort of just like okay I just take a <laughs> breath you know um but then it's also fun because I feel like I'm also rediscovering things that I can start to share with people again and be be able to connect with them again um On my Facebook page, I do a book of the week and a movie of the week, usually. I'm on hiatus right now, but uh, when I'm not on hiatus, uh, and it is a book that I read that week and a movie that I'd seen that week. So it's always consistent with what I've actually... That's cool. Do you... So it is possible... You know, it's funny. I don't even... I I, I just... I post so much shit to everything that I don't even think like, oh, maybe this should not... Maybe I should not post these things and be a little... (laughs) Maybe if I were less sensitive, it would be fine. I think that I... I'm, I'm sort of trying to be realistic with myself about the things I can handle and what I can't handle. Sure. You know, so... And I know, yeah, I'm... I, I'm a fairly sensitive person. I do my best not to take the bad stuff too personally and try to ignore it the best I can. But you know, sometimes it just backs up on you, and you're like, "Okay, yeah. <laughs> you win." Yeah, yeah, I am crushed win. by the weight yes, of the I'm internet. So ugly, and everything I wear is terrible. <laughs> you win, internet. But just, but you know, just so you know that that's. There's always a counterpoint to everything on the yeah, internet. Yeah, of course. And usually yeah. it's not real. And a lot of times those people are just actually fans who are like spoiled children who are just trying to get your attention. Yeah, and I've realized that. And that's the thing is like I also don't want to penalize the people who are really nice over the couple people that are being jerks, yeah. you know. So, um, <clears throat> you know, there's so many people that are so sweet. And especially with Once Upon a Time, I've been really blown away. There's been huge groups of friends that have started because of this show. People that met online and they meet together to watch the show or they will watch it together through whatever live streaming whatever they watch it together through and they get together and plan trips together and so all these interesting relationships and friendships have started because of the show and I think that's so awesome that's such such a positive thing to come out of a television show um so I I always want to try to give back and support those those people because I feel like they're just like the really fun fans that really love it and that's why we do it you know we want people to enjoy it every week we certainly don't want them to be miserable every Mm -hmm. week and and you also get you probably get the sweet perk where you can just go to Disneyland wherever you want and they just give you like an <laughs> awesome guide. I went, I went, uh, we went, uh, we went to Disneyland once with Nathan Fillion, uh, and because he's on an ABC show, yeah, you get the silver pass. It is one you of get the, the best guide. Perks. You like, you get yeah. a, oh, you get a, a guide, guide, and they basically just take you around, and it's fucking sweet. Yeah, it's really like, different. There's, there's no other way to. You get yeah. spoiled. Yeah, Shit. you don't have to wait in line. Yeah, yeah it's it's Shit. kind of amazing. It is it is one of the most uh, like extravagant perks of of being on ABC. Oh yeah, that makes sense because I, even like uh, friends that I've had that like had PA jobs at like ABC or on an ABC show, they get silver passes, uh-huh. which is like uh, you can bring. Like once a week, you can bring you and three people, mm. which is like that's just for a guy that's but, getting coffee. But yeah. they still have to so wait in they still have to wait in line. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But like, if, well, that's like a good starting off point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it really is. It's like a nice perk of working for that company, for sure. And I would go every weekend. It's, yeah, it's fun. It's definitely really fun. And it's something that's really fun for me to be able to take my family to do. Because yeah. they do love Disney and, and really enjoy it. So for them to be able to experience it fully behind the scenes like that and see behind everything. Do you and, have to let them know you're coming? Or do you show yeah, up and they go, you, oh, we'll get someone for you? Yeah, you arrange it. And then they find, you can request a tour guide. Oh, like cool. Jennifer Goodwin is a Disney 
Disney obsessed, loves, loves, loves <laughs> Disney. And she has her favorite tour guide. Like she, you know, whenever I go, I just do whatever she does. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm sure you've worked it out. I'm sure you have the best option possible. I'll just do that. Um, but yeah, you can, you get a tour guide assigned to you and you just go around and you get to see Disney's apartment. What's your favorite, Street. what's your favorite ride? Probably say either Splash Mountain or Space Mountain. Nice. Space Mountain Very was like rides. the big one when I was a kid, yeah. where you would just like you. Were oh, Space Mountain! So excited to be on Space Mountain. Yeah. Space Mountain was amazing because when I when I used to go as a kid, it was it, I, I, Space Mountain and the Matterhorn are basically the same ride. Okay, yep. Matterhorn is painful. I don't like it's, Matterhorn. Yeah, it uh, it hurts. Too. It hurts a lot. It's just painful. Yeah. But it's the same. It's the same concept. It's like a toboggan ride where right. they drop you at the top and then you just kind of spiral down. But yeah, yeah they made uh, they made Space Mountain comfy. Yeah, and then um, uh, the Matterhorn still feels like it was built in the 30s. I and think I literally had bruises last time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is not this is not made for little people. Because you yeah. can't you, you get thrown you around, get thrown around and you can't predict you're banging on the walls. Uh, uh, it's like yeah. your backbone is yeah. hitting It's not too fun for tall people either. It's yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah, gotta it's just be like terrible. My knees are like up to my chest <laughs> and just like yeah, it's the worst. But Space Mountain's fun because it always feels like, and I know this is not the case, but it always feels like you're going to get decapitated because you can see like everything hangs really it looks and it's like it's so dark yeah, yeah. it just it just feels like my head could come off this is so exciting yeah, yeah. I, that's what I, even, I don't know if that's that like would really be exciting but well you wouldn't i mean you wouldn't know can you imagine that that's what i you know what i want to do is i want to i think it'd be really fun to to hack the 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 photo wall yes. coming out of a ride and then just like t- just yeah. like take people's heads off and just put like weird oh, ghosts and shit in the yeah, background yeah. people oh let's go to the Jesus Christ just terrify people on their that way would out be awesome that'd be really good I'm sure that would be a good April Fools or Halloween joke or something that would be amazing they should yeah. do that what's your uh, favorite ride my favorite ride I love well, I love I do love Splash Mountain as a ride. You know the haunted house. It's just it's just something it's about good. the haunted, haunted mansion. Not right. the haunted house. Yeah, the haunted mansion. There's something about the haunted mansion yeah. where it, it's just that uh, the, the Thor, whatever his name was, there is this room actually. Mm. The guy who did all the voiceovers yeah. for yeah. Disney. That and the vibe of it and the feeling of it and it yeah. just it just feels real good. The location it was of it is nice really too. Really ahead of its time in terms of the special effects that sort of practical yeah. special effects that it uses in order to accomplish all the glass it. and the window. Yeah, yeah. but so. that was I mean that's all normal now. But it wasn't normal then. That was really revolutionary. And I am so happy that they. I mean they did they did update it to a degree. But I am so happy that they left the original practical effects be yeah. you know like and they didn't you know because the. The Nemo ride was basically like, the oh, what? let's just put some... The what? Nemo ride? The Nemo ride. You always, every time you say Nemo, you do the Albert Brooks. Oh. Nemo! There you go. <laughs> uh, sorry. So, I just wanted, I'm a fan. I just Nemo! Wanted, sorry. <laughs> um, but they basically just put like, you know, CG fish in the window. It's like, oh, you know, I, I get it. You know, it's you cool. Know, but like I the just, fish on a track. Buzz Lightyear is pretty fun. Well, Buzz yeah, Lightyear, Lightyear is the fun. Great. That's fun. It's the funnest ride because yeah. there's, it's like a game, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the most uh, the activity, and then the Toy Story ride in Tomorrowland in um, California Adventure yeah. is pretty fantastic, and the Cars ride is great too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Cars. I forgot about Cars. That's a newer one. Yeah, that one's good. great. And Indiana Jones is Tower of oh, Terror. That's a good one too. Pretty Tower fantastic. Is pretty We're great. basically all just saying Disney's pretty rad. Yeah, and then um, and then um, <laughs> Mr. Toad's yeah. Wild Ride. Yeah, There's always the cool. longest fucking line outside of Peter Pan. And it's yeah. not the best ride. It's not no. the best ride. I think it's just because you're in a boat, and yeah. it, and the, and when you take off, that initial takeoff over London, yeah, it's yeah. The miniatures. Yeah, the miniatures are great, but it's it's just that feeling of um, 
there's still some traces of of like proto Disney left, where it was like the beginnings of Disneyland, yeah. and you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, initially it was just like a glorified petting zoo. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also, I mean, even things like, well, the World Fair was really huge. I can't remember what year it was in, but um, they originally were going to do Pirates of the Caribbean as a walkthrough exhibit. It was all going to just be a, oh, a mini- wow. miniature things that you walk through and see. And then they went to the World Fair that year and animatronics. It was the first time that animatronics had been presented. And Disney was like, screw that. We're doing this. <laughs> oh, wow. And so that's that's that probably one of my favorites. Everything. Yeah. When Pirates of the Caribbean is probably my favorite, just because it's. So cold and dark and quiet. And I don't then, even mind that they added. Uh, I don't mind at all. It actually gives it like a through line now. A little bit of a through line. Yeah, it's just if I could just live where the re- the Blue Bayou restaurant is, and there's yeah. a guy playing, you know, the banjo. Like I just want to live in that. I it want, is kind of nice over yeah, there, and, the, and nice. the the tree house isn't the tree. Yeah, house yeah, it's right there. I always thought it'd be cool to live in a tree house. <laughs> do you ever do you ever get to go to the uh, Club Thirty Three? I have gone once. Damn it. <laughs> because of Jennifer Goodwin, <laughs> she uh, she like I said is obsessed. There there's some crazy wait list. There's like a lifelong wait list. Oh yeah, thing. and it's expensive, and it's very expensive. Yeah, and um, she somehow because she had been on the wait list and been on the wait list forever, and I don't know what happened, but she finally got called and she's like, yeah, I'm absolutely in, and she paid for the membership and the whole thing. <sighs> so for my mom's 60th birthday uh, last year, I did the whole take them on the tour and have the tour guide and you know don't have to wait in lines and all that stuff and then we had dinner at club 33 oh man was it good it was really good it was really good you know i found the food i was just there a couple weeks ago during wondercon and the food was really good like in the park the food was really really good yeah Yeah. but uh did i tell you i got to go to uh that clothing line the hundreds had an event where they uh it was after the park closed and they sectioned off all of uh tomorrowland for just oh, guests that's of, cool. like the company. So yeah. it's like it was just not very many people just getting to hang out and party and go on all the rides with that's just so Tomorrowland. Cool. Yeah, that's was, really great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like Disney without the crowds would be really magical. Yes. You know, it's just it's so I understand that the crowds are part of it and the whole thing, obviously, and it means that Well, let's be honest, they get in the way a lot of the time. You, it'd be nice to just have the run of the park. I literally every time I'm in Disney World, this is what I think. I look around and I see all the kids and I'm like, oh my god, everyone's having sex. <laughs> everyone, everyone <laughs> has sex. So look kids? at all these kids. Yeah, yeah, like, because kids are basically that everyone's having sex. Kids are sex trophies. And you just yeah. don't want to think about it. And then you're there and you go, God, everyone here is having sex yeah. with all these children. Yeah. <sighs> and then a lot of times it looks like they regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you see least... a lot of annoyed parents like, gar, gar, <laughs> have some more cotton candy. Yeah, yeah. Just, just stop it. <laughs> just shut up, please. But I wouldn't change a thing for the world. It's my little baby. <laughs> I don't have kids, so I don't know if that's true or not yet. I don't know if it's true. No, I don't know. But everybody says that, right? They're like, they're like, complain. Complain, 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 and then they're like, but it's the best thing I ever did. No, like, because if they, they have to say that. Because that, they would be monsters <laughs> if they didn't. Yeah, right? Yeah. If you, if you like, talked about, how, oh, it'd be so good to have kids, and then you had a kid and you still said that, no one would be your friend. But or, they or, all or really someone, seem like they mean it. Or if someone said, you know, I never thought I was someone who uh, would like kids, and it turns out I'm still not. It's a huge <laughs> mistake. <laughs> and now I'm stuck. Yeah. Now I'm just, uh, 18 yeah, I don't sentence. think I've ever heard anyone a say prison that. prison without walls. I don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> I'm going to take the kids to Disneyland and hope they run away. Kids are awesome. <laughs> I think they I think you do I, I do know people who've been crotchety about kids and they still maintain like 
I don't. They go. I don't know what it is. I'm still annoyed by other kids, but my, my kids, kids. Yeah, I'm totally bonded to. Which I kind of get having a dog because I sometimes feel that way with yep. with dogs. Not you know, some dogs are great, but uh, there's times where I'm like, oh, you're really drooly and you're on my lap and flicking <laughs> my face, and you're yeah. just not mine, you yeah. know. But if it were my dog, I'm like, oh god, if I need to like clean its poop out of its fur, I don't even think twice about it. Yeah, that's true. That's but true. a dog's not going to projectile shit on your chest. Uh, and a baby would. That's true. Um, because they're selfish. <laughs> um, they, they know what they're doing. Or I'm help- on to you, babies. Or helpless. <laughs> what? Helpless? Oh, I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I, think I, I think I'm a monster. <laughs> I think I'm a monster. We've uh, come to the conclusion that it's a good thing you don't have kids. What are you so talking far? about? <laughs> oh, ah, shit. No, it's fine. It's fine. Oh. Uh, <laughs> shut up. You're fine. Walk it off. You can't walk yet. Crawl it off. Dear me. Crawl Chris it off. Chris hurt me today. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the diary writing to itself? Yes, okay, yes. I got the. Yeah, it was I got a bit of a jump. The, no, it was good. I liked it. Are we going to witness the, the first speed. diary entrance and into the into the to the Chewbacca <laughs> book, or the first diarrhea exit? It's been in your mouth. Kyle's kind of like having a dog. So. It's all right. All right. <laughs> Dear, shut up. <laughs> I already shouldn't have kids. Dear, shut up. I just thought I'd shut up. Wait, I feel like I need a picture of this. Dear Chewie, you'll never guess whom I met today. Jennifer Morrison. All right, I'm tweeting that. Speaking of Twitter. Biggest... Annie fan <laughs> in the world <clears throat> and fish tank aficionado. <laughs> I feel so honored that I am on the first page of this book. That's pretty good. That should just be the, the posted picture for this podcast. Just that. <laughs> That's the description. And whoops. And was fantastic. Well, we're not done yet. What? Oh, yeah, we still have a few she minutes still left. still has a few minutes to fuck it all up. Scrape, could, scrape, could, scrape. I'm about to screw it all up. It's about to happen. Uh, now, you'll have to sign the first entry, too. I will. This is very fun. I yeah. like this. This is, I think I want this to be my, my stand-up notebook, but it, it, I just don't know if every time I do that, I think... Why don't you just have the people you host on the podcast leave you little notes in there? <gasps> and save Dude, it. It's a guest book. That's yeah. the best. Have a Chewbacca guest book. Wow, you're... Yeah. The smarter. You're gonna remember every time? <laughs> what? You gonna remember it every time? Yeah, I will. And or I'll like keep... leave it in here. Yes, that's a great idea. Is there anything in this jar? And then what? people will be like, "Dude, did you get to sign the book?" It's oh a, my like, yeah. god, that is such a great idea. And then when it's all filled up, sell it for charity. It's what? Great. That's a great idea. <laughs> Not for kids though, right? God no. Okay, good. <laughs> for dogs in Disneyland. You just mean like bros who need like a new sound system or something, right? That kind of charity. System. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so god! One of your friends that wants to get dated? their car lowered. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my prediction. I, I well, maybe this isn't. Maybe I read this. Maybe this is not a prediction. Maybe I read this, but I think Tomorrowland might end up just being Star Wars themed. Really? Oh, wow. That's a good point. That's kind of exciting. Did yeah. I read that or did you? That and Marvel. Well, oh, that Marvel. LA, they're doing a lot of Marvel stuff, and then they're doing it Star Wars Land in the MGM Park in Florida. Mm. Really? Finding Nemo's closed now. It is. They already yeah, closed wow, that was, that because was because they had the fake fish. Maybe that's probably what yeah. it was. They should call me. I'll tell them how to make the fish taste. Because real. you've already saw, you've already <laughs> added a tremendous amount of special. Uh, Do you guys know about this uh, traveling Marvel exhibit that's going to happen? 
This is so cool. So this is so random how this happened, but I actually just shot a short film. And when I was location scouting for it next door to where I was shooting, there's this huge warehouse and you would never know anything was going on. It was in Valencia in the middle of nowhere, basically. And they, the woman who was renting the space to me, she's like, do you know about this exhibit? I was like, no. And she took me over there and they're building this unbelievable traveling exhibit where all of the major Marvel characters are involved in the exhibit, but it's interactive. So you can do things like, Oh God, I don't think I can tell you. I just realized. How could you start that and not finish that? I just realized I signed a non-disclosure. I don't think I can tell you about it. Yeah. Can you not say anything about it? No, I mean, I think you can know that it exists. They're going to, because they're opening in like Memorial day in New York, right? That that I can tell you. You can tell us that. I think so. To be safe. Okay, so I can't tell you past that. I'll we'll have to come back and talk to you about it after sometime. Oh, man! But I will just say, I mean, I was just seeing it in the building phases, and it's amazing. Like, this is going to change everything, because it's going to go from museum to museum around the world, so it's built in a way that it can adjust to different museum spaces. <sighs> but, like, I really think... You know, we're in a time where kids do want to interact with things, and in order to get kids exposed to art and different kinds of cultural things, mm-hmm. it's going to need to be engaging in a particular way. And this, I think, is going to change everything. I was—I literally spent like two hours going through it with the guys who designed it, and it was mind-boggling. That's really cool. It was Holy so shit. cool. But let's talk for a second. Did you direct a short film? I did. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like it's a—that is quite an achievement. Yeah, it, it was. It's been really fun and exciting. It's called Warning Labels, and um, we shot it two weekends ago. Um, I got the be- fucking best actors ever: um, Josh Lawson, Karen Gillan, Rose McIver, and Eric Christian Olsen. I know Karen very well. Do you know Karen? Of course I do. Karen. Um, I just didn't miss his doubtfire. Karen. Um, yeah. So anyway, they were amazing. Uh, my friend Janelle Riley wrote the script and, um, I don't know. I've been wanting to kind of branch out into directing and I really liked the material. And, um, and so I, we, we just did it. We got the money together. We got everybody together. We got an incredible crew together. We had a very ambitious first day where we had to shoot four people in, uh, in a diner for nine pages. Oh, oh shit. So we had 12 That's hours to do that. Um, but we did it. And uh, I just sat and watched all the footage with the editor the other day. And he was like, you covered the shit out of this scene. I was like, thank Not God. Good. You know, guys, so I literally spent the whole day being like, we got to go. We got to go. I love you, but we got to go. <laughs> you know, I was like running around like this huge cheerleader all day. Um, but I wanted to get all the setups. And so... It was uh, it was a great learning experience, and I, I basically it's probably why I was going back and ro- watching all those films and all the directors that I really liked, and, and I, I really saw this as my chance to sort of go to film school in a sense, you know. So I, I wanted to explore all the things that I loved and and just try them out, knowing that hopefully I will evolve from there and do probably learn by doing yeah, more yeah. evolved in the future. But, um, but for now, you know, I pulled things that were some of the most memorable shots that I loved from movies and then did my own variation on that to, to serve the storytelling. And I really tried to build a visual way of telling the story within the actors telling the story. And, um, so it was, it was a really great experience and I was surrounded by just, just such great people. I was, I was so grateful to have everybody involved doing it because they loved it and were passionate about it. And so now I'm, just waiting for the editor to do his cut and then I'll go in and mess around with it a little bit. Nice. And, yeah. So do, you, awesome. do you prefer that where, where your director, you are engaged for the entire shoot? Yeah. But as an actor, 
Yeah, you break, go sit in your trailer for a while. And, uh, yeah. Tired. So, do, which do you? Is there one that you prefer? They're both. I like both for different reasons. You know, what, it was funny because everybody kept telling me there was going to be something that I hated about the day that I would never anticipate. They're like, "Oh, the, the time's going to fly so much faster than you realize." And I was like, "I don't know. I'm pretty aware of how fast time flies, even when I'm working as an actor. I'm very aware of like, oh god, the setup's really taking a while. Or I just tend to think that way anyway. What I hated that I didn't anticipate to hate was lunch. <laughs> you get so close yeah as an actor I'm like oh it's lunch I can go to my trailer I can get away from everybody I can lay down you know it's just like ah uh. and, and I want lunch to be as long as possible as an actor as a director I paced in circles like a rabid animal for the entire 37 minutes that we were on lunch you know it's just like I was like I kept looking at my watch being like how many more minutes and chew faster chew yeah. chew chew your fucking food chew faster yeah, and Andrew's like 16 minutes I was like but th- that person's done eating he's like but they're still <laughs> I'm still on lunch. (laughs) But when you know you have one day in a location and everything's riding on that one day and I was like, okay, I know we've got to turn around and we've got extra shots that also have to be added to the other side and we have to get this actor up by 11 p.m. and then the sun's going to go down by this time. You're you're thinking about all the logistics. So uh, anyway, yeah, I hated lunch. But but as an actor, I'm like, oh, lunch, great. I'm going to go take it When does this come, when are you finished with this? Soon. Um, I'm hoping to, uh, you know, the editor will have his cut on May 25th ish and then um, I'm gonna sit with him in the editing room for like a week ish and sort of mm-hmm. adjust things we have some decisions to make um, based on uh, stylistically just there's the story involves that um, in the world we establish everyone wears a warning label so it's as if we all just had labels that and the universe assigns it to you so it's just like it's just the truth it's just part of who you are right so you know like someone's label says like I'm not over my ex you know (laughs) and someone's warning label is like uh, warning danger ahead but has all this (laughs) fine print you know you can't quite read the fine print so everybody has different Warning labels and the the concept behind it is just that it just shows up when it cha- a new one shows up when it changes right so the world we're in it's totally normal for everybody in that world but obviously the audience is experiencing this world with warning labels for the first time so I'm going to have some decisions to make about exactly how heightened I want that to be or not be yeah, and, yeah. you know so we have we have several different ideas about ways we want to try it but it's going to mean the editing process is a little more tricky than just putting together a scene you know yeah but like you know with um the show on the once upon a time like you you deal with trying to ground like uh yeah. you know like crazy things all the time so that must have come in a lot when you were yeah and that's what this. the editor and i were talking about because actually it, the editor i'm using is one of the editors from once upon a time oh, which nice. is great um and so we were talking about that because he was sort of saying well should we subtitle it or should we do this or that and i was like well i just kind of want it to feel like it's so normal that it's normal for us too but i also don't want it to be so normal that you can't read everybody's labels or you, you know what i mean because right. i don't know especially with it, with it being a short film that is going to be submitted to festivals and things like I don't know if someone's going to watch it on their laptop or their 70-inch screen or oh, on a yeah. big screen. You know, I know it would screen at the festival on a big screen, but you don't know in the process you know, how to adapt things not knowing what medium it's going to be watching. Yeah, they could on, even be you know? watching on their phone because they're busy. Or right. like it's, yeah. it's actually totally possible yeah. now. That's the crazy thing. So, um, so we have to try to figure out what that happy medium is going to be. But yeah. I'm excited about that. And we have some cool musical choices. My sister... Um, is an incredible singer and guitar player and she's actually a musical th- music therapist and um, she wrote a song for the movie that was incredible. Um, oh, cool. So we just recorded that. Um, a friend of mine that I play poker with did me a huge favor. She just 
great producer produces a lot of big pop artists and she was like oh we'll we'll record it and i was like holy cow so i got nice. to take my sister into the professional recording studio and work with real producers and so they're putting that together right now it's been a really i don't know it's been a really cool so what, what happens like what, once you make it do you, you enter it in festivals or you just yeah. you just try to like how do you get it seen yeah, I mean, initially you enter it in festivals, and then it'll hopefully serve as two things. Hopefully it will show at festivals, and people will see it, and also it'll be a calling card for me to be able to direct other things. Yeah. Um, the directing of the short sort of was born out of um, one of the producers I worked with on Some Girls had come across a script called A Kind of Love Story um, that my friend Janelle Riley wrote, and he wanted to produce it. And she said, well, I've been developing this with Jen Morrison, and he, she sort of walked him through the process, and he was like, well, she should direct this because I had so extensively developed it with her. And initially that wasn't the plan. Initially I was developing it with her just because I liked the idea and we were taking it from a stage play to a screenplay and thinking that I would maybe be in it. And then he came to me and said, well, we would love you to direct this. And I was like, can we just, can I screw up on like 10 minutes first (laughs) instead of an hour and a half? Um, So then he came on board and built a producing team to produce the short with the plans of this being the calling card for the feature. So we used the same writer, built a team that we would, theoretically take with us from the short to the to the feature and then that way we have something to hand people that isn't exactly the same material but it's similar in tone it's a similar team it's the same writer and say like hey it's going to be along this you know it'll be along these lines basically and if people like it and respond to it then it's a reason for them to believe in me for the for the feature and it also is just i think it's just a it's a besides probably being very gratifying it's just a smart career thing to do because you you know there's no guarantee I mean you've worked very regularly for a long time but uh, but I'm sure it's, you probably still feel like I don't know what if something crazy happens what do I know do? at you know? all and also it's a way to cr- create content and, and stay creatively engaged while I'm doing the same thing for a long time and as much as I'm very lucky that Once Upon a Time is a show where the characters do evolve and they do grow and they have new adventures every week it's not like a procedural where I'm doing exactly the same thing every week I'm still playing Emma and I think it, I'm pretty sure I know Emma better than I know myself just like by the end of six years I definitely knew Cameron better than I knew myself so um, you get to a point with that where you want to be creative and get creatively engaged in a way where it re-inspires the work you're doing every day so that was also partly why I was really invested in doing something like this was because I really wanted to feel like I was really excited every day that I came to work on Once Upon a Time and feeling like I had something new to offer mm-hmm. and for me I just needed to like be feeling that with something else and so um, to be engaged in the process on every level instead of just looking at it from one character's perspective has really changed how I look at pretty much everything I work on and how I connect with directors, how I connect with uh, DPs and producers and all the crew. I mean, it's just a totally different relationship when you are forced to learn a little piece of their job or understand like the way they fit into the puzzle in a more specific way than before. Well, yeah, because it's so easy to just get caught in your own head and your own experience. But then, of course, the, <laughs> of course it's really funny if you're like, are you sure you don't want to go on a wide on that? Yeah. Yes. I feel like it would capture. I the... don't ever do that. <laughs> what? That Me? weird. It just sounds Never. like okay, but your tone sounds like <laughs> maybe you might. Uh... Are you trying to uh, uh, direct an episode of Once Upon a Time? I don't know. It's something I think would need to be in my contract. Um, you know, I think that stuff gets tricky. Uh, they always have the couple people that they like to work with over and over again. And also, you know, if they let me do it, then who else do they have to let do it and all that, you know? So it'd be, there's a little bit of politics involved in all that, but I also feel like it might be a little too close to home. Mm -hmm. I, I feel okay with the route this is going. Um, 
you know, I, Eric Christian Olson was so sweet when we were working together. He was like, oh, let me know if you want to like do an NCIS or something. And, you know, he's like, I'll talk to them about it. So that might be, you know, that's just theoretical, but oh, I'm just yeah. saying like going the route of someone else's show actually might be a better, sometimes just, you know, when you come at something from a totally different perspective, it might be hard for everyone once upon a time to take me seriously as a director when they're used to me being Emma every week. Whereas if I go into a totally new environment that they would probably embrace it differently. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, it's just, didn't my Hugh, Hugh Laurie, did he direct some of house? He yeah, did he an did. episode. I think he may have done more. I, I, did he, I don't know if he did one or more, but I was in the one he directed and I really enjoyed working with him as a director. I, it was the happiest I'd ever seen him. He was just, so I, I think maybe just thrilled to be in a position where he could really make judgment calls that he felt like were maybe out of his hands sure. in other situations or set things up in a really efficient way so that he had already thought through some of the, or troubleshot some of the things that maybe some of the other directors hadn't and things like that. So he, and he obviously is just such a crazy talent that uh, he, he would have great notes and great insights. And, and that was also fun because when you've worked across from someone so much for so long, they've they have a connection to you to be able to be like hey think about the thing when such and such happened and like he knew every detail right. to be oh, able yeah, to really yeah. give you an informed specific note and really <laughs> make you feel like you're seeing it from a new perspective and making it better and um he's i mean he's just one of those people that there's really i don't think there's anything he can't do he's just crazy talented in every department yeah i mean coming from the sort of the writer performer creator performer uh background too I, I would imagine it's probably this is, this is one of the things that oh that with with acting where i always think oh they you, they, you just have to stand where they tell you and then you got to <laughs> say what they want you to say and yeah. then you somehow have to find a way to uh make that interesting to yourself or 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 fun or challenging right. even if when you read it, you go, well, I don't know about that, but you still have to you do have it to. anyway. Yeah, yeah, you have to figure it out. It was funny because I, I realized how that was translating into how I was directing as well because I've been put in situations so many times where you have to make the impossible seem possible. You know, It's like something on the page is very different than bringing it to life. And oftentimes when it's written, the writers don't know the location you're going to be in or the limitations of the location that you're in. And suddenly you're in the location. You're like, there's no way to walk from there to there with that one line and then I have to drop the thing. And then I, but I you know, and like... On our show, uh, Colin O'Donoghue plays Hook. He's like, I have one hand. You know, like, they write for him like he's got two hands. He's like, I have one, I have one hand. You know, it's, it's, it's in like, my name. Things like that it's happen. It's in my name. Yeah, yeah exactly. Look, I'm not so, called two hands. I'm so used to being in that mindset of like, how do I solve it? How do I justify it? How do I make it okay? Because you don't have time to have a problem with it. So you just have to find a way to justify it so that it feels real and you yeah. can keep going. So one of the things that came up when I was directing the short, the DP was like, well, we only have, you know, we don't have matching sets of lenses, even though we had two cameras. And I knew that going in. It just didn't make sense for the way I wanted to shoot it to have two matching sets of lenses, which is, I'm not going to bore you with going into why, but um, at one point we were shooting what could have been matching close-ups, and he was like, but we don't have matching lenses. I said, yeah, I know, but just just take the take a lens that makes Thad feel big and overwhelming and like he's consuming the space, and take a lens that makes Gil feel small and like the world is consuming him, and you know, just you know, let the lens reflect where they're at emotionally, and he was like, I like the way you think, you know, nice. like, but it was just, I, it didn't even, I didn't skip a beat on it. Cause that's what I have to do as an actor all the time. You know, yeah. it's like, here's this weird problem. And you're like, how do I justify it? How do I solve it? You know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, well, that's, that's but, really but you know, what's great about that. And I think for anyone is that if you do anything for any length of time, in your head, you still feel like, Oh, I'm the same person as when I started and I, I don't know anything. And then, but then when someone, it's sort of the, it's sort of the wax on wax off <laughs> moment where you're like, 
how am I yeah. doing all of these, blocking all these kicks? You know, yeah. like you just, you start spitting things out and you, and you kind of go, oh, actually, I guess I do know some things and I have learned a lot. And there, there is all that stuff. I am absorbing and processing all yeah, that information. Yeah, you just collect things, you know, I think that's how I see it. It's just like you kind of like throw it in the toolbox and you're like, oh, what are we, oh I'll use that. Okay, maybe the wrench will work. <laughs> <I'm> a- <laughs> well, I'm very excited also that you're going to be, uh, that you're doing At Midnight tonight, which will be really yeah, fun. Yeah, me too. It should be fun. Yeah. Um, and we are, oh, we're... We're about in an hour. We're a little over an hour, so you know what this means? This means we're going we're gonna to end with a gratitude circle. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be my first gratitude circle since high school, folks. Okay. Um, um, well, it's a hard knock life for us. <laughs> um, but I would like to... I am grateful that uh, Jen Morrison came up with the uh, guest book idea yeah. um, that is Chewbacca guest book. And, um, and I feel really grateful about that, Jonah. I feel really grateful about you feeling grateful about it. Jen? I, I feel grateful that I got to witness all of this today mm-hmm. and that I got to meet Scout the dog mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that, um, that I got to be the first entry in the guest book. It's going to be very exciting. Mm-hmm. Kyle? Uh, I'm grateful that <laughs> <laughs> Is this what you wanted the entire time? It's never going to happen again. Katie? Oh, Scout's the best. Yeah. We're all grateful for Scout. All right. <laughs> now, how do we break a gratitude circle? Does, does someone have to die to break the I circle? I think we need a cheer. We clap? Yes. We do uh, a clap again? Uh, uh, I think on three, we should do Chewbacca. Okay. Ready? Okay. Uh, like, okay. Ready? One, One two, two, three. three. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. One, two, three. Four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.